Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Eliminating the income tax and adjusting sales tax is a balancing act, according to Vicksburg Mayor George Flags. You cannot uh, move one tax to another bracket without affecting the whole Mississippi economy. I think they need to go slow. I think they need to uh, study some more, and they need to phase it in rather than trying to do uh, it overnight. Speaker of the House Philip Gunn has promised to make this a top priority in the next legislative session. And hurricane season kicks off Tuesday. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. This is Weekend Gardening. Good grief, it's the end of May. It's not only the end of May, of course. This is the Memorial Day weekend. A time when we put those words at the front of our minds and hearts. Never forget, ever honor. I trust that you will join me in that today. Now, let's talk about what's going on around here. What's going on around here? Oh, my goodness. It's the beginning of hurricane season, y'all. That always has an effect on our gardens, and I want to make sure that you know that all that stuff that you had put away that you used up during the freezes when the electricity went off. Time to replenish all of those supplies because hurricane season starts, of course, on June 1st. Now, who knows? The predictors can say whatever they want to say about what the year is going to be like. The only thing that we actually know is that we all have friends on the list from uh, Anna, Bill, Claudette, Danny, Elsa, Fred, Grace, Henri which is Henry spelled with an I at the end, Ida, Julian, Kate, Larry, Mindy, Nicholas, Odette, Peter, Rose, Sam, Teresa, Victor, and Wanda. Of course, they would use Wanda this year. (laughs) Maybe we won't get to her. We can only hope. Anyway, what's going on in your garden? I uh, hope you were following me on Instagram at Garden Mama Nelly or on Facebook, and you will see the photograph I put up today. It hasn't made it to Patreon yet because I couldn't get the link to work, but the flowers that are for cutting at my house this week include some beautiful burgundy gladiolas, orange Gerber daisies, a couple of crocosmias that are also quite orange, and one sunflower that is a volunteer from the bird feeder. (laughs) So it's an interesting arrangement, (laughs) to say the least. Something you might want to tell me about. But i got to say, James has already sent beautiful photos today of his garden, as he generally does on Saturday morning. Thank you very much. He has topped himself this week, however. These crinum lilies are the prettiest I've ever seen. The marigolds look perfect. The amaryllis is gorgeous. And I'm telling you, the angel trumpets are going to be knocked out. I do also enjoy things where plants grow out of other sides of the pots besides the top or the bottom. And he's got that going on, too. Really nice. By the way, the plant, the, another of the plants that he's featuring today is strawberry geranium. And I have to tell you, if you're looking for a durable container perennial, 
this is one of them that you just really need to know about. Um, check it out. It's a it's a plant that not everybody has, but when you once you have it, you want to keep it all the time. Kind of like mother of thousands. You know, you you may not run into that at anywhere other than a plant swap, but once you have it, you always want it, and you will continue to have it once you get it. Okay, let's talk about it. The Super Talk call line is triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. The ceasefire text line, of course, is 601-879-4395. I appreciate y'all using both of those things. Ooh, we get to see the weekly update. Trey's got tomatoes. Those look great, Trey. This is wonderful. The beans are blooming. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful. Those rattlesnakes are so, such delicious, gorgeous beans. Beautiful photos today. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate that very, very much. I always enjoy... um, everybody else's bounty because it's so much bigger than mine right now i've got a vase full of flowers (laughs) james has a yard full i have uh, about four tomatoes trey's got a garden full that's what this is all about that's why this is weekend gardening and i get to be garden mama i was in fact named garden mama a long time ago because everybody's garden needs a little bit of a mama from time to time and i appreciate you feeling that way too What's going on in this bird count world? I thought this was so interesting. I'm I'm not um, I'm not a birder. We all we all know that we have our own bird man, Ken Hackman, for that job. Um, I, I'm not a birder. I am a bird appreciator, but I can't. I, I've never been able to see in the top of a tree, even with glasses. And therefore, it's hard for me to see the bird on the wire other than by general shape. Sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. But the good news is citizen scientists around the globe and some very complicated algorithms have put together how many birds do you think there are? You know, from Avocet to Zebra Finch, as it says in the headline. What about this? And yes, the other essential pun for this story is that we have to get our ducks in a row, but in case we don't. (laughs) Um, Guess what? We already knew there are 9,700 roughly bird species in the world. And I have to say that it turns out by this count from the uh, University of New South Wales at Sydney, there are six birds for every human. I think we're being outnumbered even by these birds. Um, The rainbow lorikeet 19 million, the sulfur-crested cockatoo, 10 million, even the laughing kookaburra has 3.4 million. But there are an awful lot of other birds that don't have nearly as many, and so they wanted to count how many are likely, even if we haven't seen them. That's what the algorithm was all about, was to figure out, based on simple factors, that is to say the proximity to people, to, to urban areas, the opportunity for citing them because of their habits. In other words, do they come out in the daytime? Um, do they tend to fly in flocks? Are they easy to see? And, and the ones that are and the ones that aren't. But what they ter- determined with all this work was that there are literally 50 billion individual birds on the earth at any given moment. It's really fascinating to me. Oh, good. Some more pictures coming in. Um, that's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Let's see. Is it okay to move hydrangeas? Um, sure. If you if you are willing to take care of them in the way that you would have to do a fleshy plant. I'm not going to dig up much at this point 
and transplant it. But if there is an opportunity, someone's giving you a hydrangea and you've just got to get it out of wherever it is and, and replant it wherever it's going, or even pot it up in a container, just remember that when you deal with shrubs out of season, especially ones that are likely to be in bloom, you're going to disrupt their cycles. And you've also got to um, look at the fact that you're going to have to prune the top to accommodate what you have cut up in the roots and the bottom. You're also going to have to be real careful about water and mulch because the transplant conditions are not very good right now. Okay? Okay. Let's see. Heading directly into the telephone world today, I'm not sure which one goes first, but let's talk to Mike in Houston. Hey, Mike, what's going on today, sir? Uh, good morning to you. Uh, beautiful day. It's cloudy, but anyway, uh, we're having a tomato raising contest. Okay. Between my foreman and, with my foreman and uh, me. Who's going to have the better tomatoes, of course? Now, I did this last year. I've never done before. I pinched off the top of the uh, tomato to make more production, I guess you call it. Uh, I cry every time I see a blossom at the pinch off. Anyway, uh, how high should I let that tomato plant grow before I pinch it off? Well, that depends on whether your search is for the fastest tomato or the largest tomato or the tastiest tomato or the most number of them. In other words, pinching the plant at whatever point is going to cause the plant to put out more branches so you'll end up with more tomatoes, but you won't get them as soon and they won't be as large as if you leave it in the one or two stalks that it has now. Does that make sense? That's true. It makes sense, complete sense. Okay, so it really yeah, depends uh, on whether you're trying to win in terms of the fastest one produced or whether you're trying to win in terms of the most from one plant. But anyway, I'm not going – what I suggest in my own world is most tomatoes get bigger than you want to handle through the summer. So at whatever point they've started making tomatoes and it's beginning to get too hot to set fruit or maybe we've got a few bug problems here and there, that's when I'm going to – generally cut them back and they're probably about five feet tall by that time maybe a little taller i'm going to take a foot or two off that's good stuff about right uh, I'm, i got on, i want to remind that six foot tall okay. and uh, go with it all righty <laughs> and you, you do, you're doing a good job well Keep thank you sir take care of yourself have a wonderful weekend thank you mike and i I'm, i really do hope you win the contest <laughs> on to jim and laurel what's going on jim how are things in laurel today Everything's bloom. I'm happy. I'm on this side of the ground. What have I got to gripe about? I have to tell you, I am. I I have been to Laurel. I had the pleasure of doing radio remote broadcast from there. I really love that sweet town. But I recently saw a program about the hometown folks, the the renovators, and it yes, was so cool to see how many things are going on there. It was because I know the town, so it was wonderful to see all the changes. It was lovely. Yeah, Lord, Mama, I've I've told you in the past. You know, I've got I don't have land out here. I got clay. Mm-hmm. I've been reclaiming this out here with road cuttings off out of ditches. Yeah, and the county brought me by a whole truckload or two truckloads of grass, and it's all centipede. Mm-hmm. I could not get a tractor out there and spread it. I had to go through these dirt piles by hand, stackies. Uh, what I'm calling sides, I had to stack them, and then I laid it out in line around the house, around the corner and everything. 
that I filled it in with that dirt. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm watering this every day. What else can I do to it to try to get it to survive? Well, there there are products generically called new lawn starter fertilizers. In other words, they're a mild form of fertilizer you can throw out there if you'd like to help them that way. But water is the main thing. All right. Well, I was out there yesterday, uh, and just by the time I got right close to finishing it, it got to raining. Yeah. I run and <laughs> grab my water hose, and I went to wet. My wife said, what are you doing? I said, I don't want this stuff to wash off. i got to get it wet and sort of pack it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, of course, the truth of the matter is it would have to rain a whole lot to water enough for the, the sod to actually get watered three inches into the soil below it, which is what we would like. So if we can get that classic one inch a week onto the so- the sod, you're going to be in good shape. And that, But that's how we, you know, we talk about that. We talk about putting out a little measuring cup or something that's a sort of a, a rain, you know, would be, it, w- it would be to catch rain except you're watering. But the idea is it's just a monitor so you know that you've watered enough for that week. And the color of the lawn, of course, will tell you a whole lot about how it is surviving. But after all this work, you certainly want it to do well. You might want to invest in a bag of new lawn fertilizer. I will. One other thing, Garden Mama, I've, I've tried, he's talking about the tomatoes, water. I tried babying tomatoes through the winter a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they they lasted all winter. They made tomatoes that not much bigger than a golf ball. My jalapeno pepper I saved last year, it hadn't produced nothing. So I'm not going to ever do that again. <laughs> it's easier to go buy a plant, stick it in, um, stick it in the dirt, you, step on it, let it grow. Jim, you remind me, um, I had clients early on in my consulting life that um, wanted to keep their hibiscus tree blooming. You know, it's, a, it's a, one of those ones in the container with the braided stems. And it was beautiful. They had it out by their pool, and it was lovely, but they wanted to keep it over the winter. And so I told them what was necessary to do that, or if they wanted me to take it and baby it through the winter, what it, what that would cost. And we had this wonderful conversation and drank a cup of coffee, and the husband looked at the wife and said, so what do you think? Should we buy two next year? <laughs> Just enjoy them. Forget about all this work. And I, have, and I have always felt like that was probably the best solution. <laughs> I have found that out. For sure. Oh, yes, I have found that to be true. You're exactly right. I love listening to your show. Thank you, sir. I hope you have a great day. Take care of yourself. Get ready for hurricane season because it is coming, as we all know. Brian and Biloxi, beautiful, beautiful shots. Lovely lilies. I like that pink lily. That's pretty. Maybe that stargazer again. The butterfly bush is blooming. And, of course, our our friend, the, the, as we talk about these, as we talk about cannas, they all have such great names. This one's Prince Humbert, I think, and, and I can almost smell that gorgeous gardenia. I have to tell you, the gardenia that I have babied has finally, when the trees grow, there becomes shade, all right? That's the first thing we have to understand in the garden. And, yes, I planted this at the edge of the shade, but it was several years ago, and now the tree has grown, and the flowers on the gardenia are basically hanging out looking for sunlight. I'm going to have to cut that one back and transplant it. Not not right now. This is not a great time to do that. But this is the time to make that sort of a list. For example, if you look and if you've got seven hostas and two of them are be able to bloom but the others are in deeper shade and you really do like the flowers on the hostas, you don't have to. You don't have to like flowers on irises either. You may just like the leaves. That's fine. But if you have an opportunity to thin the foliage that is above them, take a branch off a tree, 
thin out the shrub, whatever it is, so that those others can bloom. This is the time to make that note. You probably are not going to do the work this minute, but it is good to have those notes for yourself to remember what it is that you wanted to do. Sometimes sometimes we don't remember it later on. I think that's one reason why one some folks t- keep a garden diary and other people look forward and project the garden calendar. For example, if you know that the first cannas were beautiful flowers, but the second group last summer, say for example, the third week of July, weren't able to open because they had canna leaf rollers, you know this year in June you really do need to cut down those canna stems and dust so that the new growth can come on up and give you some more flowers without any bugs. It's also true, speaking of my list, I have noticed that my Clara Curtis chrysanthemums are different heights. That shouldn't be the case because they all froze at the same point. You know, this this winter came down and I cut them all back. But have, having that opportunity to look at them this morning, I realized I've got to cut them. It's time to pinch them anyway, but I'm going to have to pinch some of them pretty hard. Um, this, of course, is the point we're getting towards. In We do once in May and once in June, at least once. And to go ahead and keep those compact when they come up to bloom coming in the fall. Um, John, that's just amazing. John's got, you know, there are not a lot of cats that just love water, but there are some. <laughs> that's all I can tell you. Oh, Andrea, that's beautiful. That's just gorgeous. Your zinnias are lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you for sending that photo. It's going to be a beautiful vase. Love it. Love it. Love it. Wowie zowie. That was quick, y'all. Keep them coming. The Super Talk call line, the C Spire text line. My conversation with you is the highlight of my week, and I appreciate you being here. This is Weekend Gardening. Let's add to this room. I think mama's choking from the smell of stale perfume. And the cigarette you're smoking about to scare me half to death. Open up the window, let me catch my breath. Mama told me not to come. Mama told me not to come. She said, that ain't no way to have fun. Son, that ain't no way to have fun. Son, son, son. Welcome to Mic Drop. The show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Here's something very helpful. You can join Mississippi Farm Bureau for less than $50 a year. There are so many benefits to your membership, including money-saving perks, access to Farm Bureau insurance, protecting your land, and making a difference in your community through advocacy. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Do you ever feel like you are in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators assure you will always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Propane. Clean American energy. Visit MSPropane.com today. Ridgeland Medical Clinic is a proud sponsor of the Gallo Radio Show. Conveniently located in Ridgeland off Highway 51 North in the Oak Place Shopping Center. Call them to see Jody Adams today. 
Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden. Now is the time to get yourself to Lakeland Yard and Garden for the largest selection of patio furniture, outdoor-indoor living areas, umbrellas, replacement cushions, and beautiful fountains and stepping stones. You'll even find Komodo Joe grills and collegiate gift items. The expert staff members at Lakeland Yard and Garden will be happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. While you're there, be sure to get your topsoil or mulch sold by the bag or in bulk. Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 40 years. Stop by or call today, located at Lakeland Drive and Airport Road, 601-939-7304, online at lakelandyardandgarden.com. Listen to your garden mama now. It's Lakeland Yard and Garden Center for all your gardening needs and a whole lot more. May at Mazda of Jackson. That's right. More. More savings. More selection. More affordable payments. And more for your trade. Get 0% financing our 1500 off new 2021 Mazda 6s. Plus, get 0% financing on new 2021 Mazda CX-5s, which will save you thousands in finance charges. And Mazda of Jackson will give you your first year of maintenance for free. Think you can't get approved? Think again. Our credit specialists are standing by to get you approved today because 100% credit approval is our number one goal. And we'll give you top dollar for your old vehicle even if you don't buy a new one from us. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. Bring in your current vehicle. We'll buy it, even if you don't buy a new one from us. So if you want more savings, more selection, more affordable payments, and more for your trade, then get to Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. MazdaofJackson.com. See dealer for complete details with food like mine. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. Dad has long since desired for me to come work alongside him. And now that I'm here, I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. Our dining rooms are open and we are taking reservations. Our private rooms are also available along with takeout. Call today or stop in to experience Tico's in the second generation. Tico's Steakhouse, East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. This is JT. If you like me, you like to deal with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and they're headquartered in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks 1-800-647-8540 or on the web MajesticMetalsINC.com. indeed if you have ever appreciated reggae music this may be the first piece you ever heard back a hundred years ago and for those of us who are flute players it was a tremendous inspiration to know that we weren't going to have to play john philip sousa forever not that those are not wonderful i'm a piccolo kind of gal but it was wonderful to know that the flute had a greater range and that there might be an opportunity for us to wail away a little bit here every now and then is uh, Jim with us on there for please, Rhino? Thank you. By the way, I didn't say good morning to Rhino. Hey, Rhino. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. What's going on with your gardenias? 
they are, well, they've turned yellow, and I just wondered if I could do something to prevent that. And then uh, I have something eating on them, eating the leaves. Okay. Is a, I, so is, I need something to spray on them or whatever. Is it the leaves that are turning yellow or the flowers? The leaves are turning yellow. All right. The leaves are gorgeous right now. I've got the big leaf and the small leaf gardenia, both of them. Okay. Are they they're the, both are loaded. They the, they're beautiful. Are the it's lower leaves... Oh, that's wonderful. Are the lower leaves um, turning yellow, or are they turning yellow all over the plant? No, just some places. Okay. In the middle or at the bottom or where? Okay. Okay. We're going to put him on hold, and I'm going to tell him about gardenias. When you call, you got to turn your radio down, because, frankly, we have just enough of a delay so that if you decide to cuss me out, the rhino can keep that from going out on the air. No one's ever done that, but we, we have to be careful. We, we have a, a profession here we have to maintain. But here's the deal. It causes a delay, and it'll cause you not to be able to listen to me because you're listening to the radio. So anyway, we're going to just let him let me tell you about this. When gardenias get yellow leaves at the bottom, solid yellow, they turn yellow and either drop off or just hang there. Generally speaking, we're looking at a lack of nitrogen fertilizer, and you don't necessarily want to do that while they're in bloom, but if you certainly haven't done that in a while, you will want to fertilize them right after they bloom. I like the idea of a little bit of nitrogen in that case, but you may choose to go ahead and give them a gardenia food. That's okay, too. I wouldn't do it while, they're ha- while they have their flowers on, because if you put on too much nitrogen to anything while it's in flower or in bud, it will knock those flowers and buds off, okay, as it attempts to grow more leaves. However, if the yellowing is around different parts of the plant, like, in other words, in close to the stem or just out on the tips but not at the bottom, in that case, we're looking at soil that's staying too wet most of the time, and the the roots are not able to take up enough of the nitrogen, enough of the fertilizers that you've got in the soil naturally to come up to the whole point of the leaf, and the leaves will throw themselves off in order to survive the rest of the plant. So you need to consider whether or not your plants are staying wet. If they are, go ahead and pull the mulch back. Maybe if you have to ditch around them because they're literally sitting in too much water, that's a different issue. But usually it's just that the soil has been so wet that they've got that yellowing going on, and if you can help them dry out by pulling the mulch back from them, they will recover pretty shortly. Again, it's a case where you'd want to fertilize them after we have Um, finished blooming. Now, there's a third kind of yellowing that happens on gardenias that if if it doesn't happen that it's happening to Jim, trust me, it's happening to somebody. That's chlorosis. That's where the leaf turns yellow, but the veins of the leaf stay green. That is an iron problem, and it's also a pH problem in the soil, but it's a little bit different from these other issues. So if that's your issue, remember that iron causes, lack of iron Let me try that again. Lack of availability of iron. The iron may be there, but the pH may be off and the plant can't take it up. So at that point, you're going to have to change. You may want to apply iron just so the plant looks better, but you'll also need to work on the pH a little bit. Okay? All right. Um, Coming up in this next piece. Oh, John, that's wonderful. John's got so many things to, to share today. I'm enjoying that very, very much. Mary is in Tate County. Let's talk some more gardenias. What's up? Uh, my gardenias, the small ones and the regular size ones, 
were damaged by that late freeze mm-hmm. we had in northwest Mississippi. Uh, they're about five feet tall. They are putting out all the way up the stems, but they're so funny looking. Should I should I prune them now? Just leave them be. Are you getting any flowers yet? Oh, we're not at that point. They're just now putting out putting suggestions of leaves up and down the stems. And usually they would bloom in June. I get yeah. Okay, I, I would wait a few more weeks. Just to see if you're going to set some buds, not because they're going to be beautiful flowers, but because if the plant can have the opportunity to go through that part of the cycle and then you prune, it'll recover better. However, okay. if, we, if we get late into June and there's no sign of flower buds, I'm going to say yes, go ahead and fertilize and prune at that point. Well, because they, they made it, look, they made it. You know, we just have to encourage them. <laughs> well, they survive. They survive. They just look like sticks with dots of green up and down the stem. Well, I hear that. I had, um, I, I will say I'm a little bit south of you, and, and I had a couple of plants. I had transplanted some loripetalums, which are generally speaking pretty tough. And up until about two weeks ago, I thought that they were goners. <laughs> it turns out they're all right. They're, they're not exactly recovering as quickly as I would have hoped, but they're going to make it. So. <laughs> well, it, it's funny what the, what the weather has done. Ooh. I have some of the prettiest old-fashioned blue hydrangeas i've ever had oh lovely I have lovely gorgeous gorgeous purple hydrangeas mm-hmm. my limelights are lush but they haven't set buds and my lady in, or let's see lady in red yeah. is lush too but i don't see any sign of flowers you know lady in red is has not been a consistent performer for me and I, I don't know if it's because it tries to bloom too soon and gets frozen. I, I just don't know what that one is. But I do know that limelight will come on and bloom on whatever it produces this year. So it's, it may be a little bit later on. Mine doesn't usually bloom until later in the summer. But it it will bloom on the current year's wood. So you're going to... You well, my lady, in red, my lady in red has never been as pretty a plant as it is this year. So I'm just hopeful. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Thanks for the report. Well, thank you. Appreciate Bye. you. Thank you very much. Bye now. And Doug is in West Point. Ooh, let's talk cantaloupes. Hey, Doug. Hey, there, God, Mama. Look, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been trying to find some heirloom ambrosia cantaloupes. Mm-hmm. Now, all I can find is the hybrid cantaloupes. Explain to me exactly what the hybrid means. If I save some seeds... Are they going to be? Well, it all depends. Um, some We have some hybrid plants that have been, they're, they're what we call stable hybrids. The, the Probably the most commonly known stable hybrid is sweet 100 cherry tomatoes. Okay, that was a hybrid, but it's been sweet cherry 100 so long that its seeds are all sweet cherry 100s. But we can't count on that from everything. The one that I know... And it's not ambrosia, but the, the the cantaloupe that I know that is stable that way is called Hale's Best, H-A-L-E, Hale's Best. It's a good cantaloupe. It's not the same as an ambrosia, but it is one that will keep, um, keep you, its seeds will come true. Um, have you, are you aware of the Seed Savers Exchange? That's a group that, that they literally, that's all they do. I mean, it's a company, but they, they, have, they began with people that saved heirloom seeds, and you may find that they have something that they may have one that you like, or they may actually have a couple of choices for you in the ambrosia department. Okay, thank you. I do like the idea of 
um, growing things and being able to save the seeds. And particularly as we look at so many things that are not available, the idea of saving seeds becomes even more important to a lot of us. Really pretty things. Let's see. Um, doop de doop doop doop. David's in Pascagoula, and the the cucumbers are coming out short and fat. Um, there's a couple of reasons that that can happen. Some varieties tend towards that a little bit more. I can see that one of these has ripened awfully quickly, so that's sometimes a matter of heat on the plant. But sometimes it's just simply the the first. Of the first few of them do this, and the rest don't. It's it does go to um, how how regularly the water is applied and how well the plant can take it up. It does go to fertilizer, but for the most part, it's one. Some varieties tend to do this more than others. Um, one that doesn't do it, which is probably why it's so popular, is straight eight, um, and it generally speaking won't do this particular phenomenon as as I understand it. But it's a it's a lovely um, it's a it's a lovely problem to have. At least you have too many, and you can certainly eat most of them. But it also tells you that they've ripened really quickly because those the seeds inside. Well, if you look inside when you cut one of these in half, the the seeds will probably be large, which will tell you that it didn't get enough going before it had to make seeds. And that's another problem. That's a different problem. <laughs> Oh, Trey, my goodness, Dewberry Cobbler is coming up. That's gorgeous. Just beautiful. How fun. Let's see, Shannon's in Oxford. Um, she's had this hydrangeas four years, but they've not bloomed. She uses bone meal as a fertilizer. Well, uh, bone meal's a good fertilizer. It does take a few seasons to get into the soil, and it's really just, uh, it's only one of the elements that you need. I would say it looks to me like they're in a little bit, I can see sun at the other end, but I can't really tell if these are in much sun at all, and the leaves look small. So I'm going to suggest um, using a fertilizer that's made for flowering shrubs. There's organic ones, there's conventional ones, you don't, you know, whatever your gardening philosophy is, you can meet it. And I'm probably going to encourage you at some point this summer to thin out some of these branches. You've got an awful lot of growth here and an, an awful lot of what looks like thin stems. That would be from the need for the other kinds of fertilizer. So get you a flowering shrub food, and I think that will help. And do a little bit of pruning. Not a whole lot, but do a little bit of thinning out there. Now, depending on what variety this is, it may be able to go ahead and make flowers. And when I say thinning, I don't mean um, cutting it off from the top. I mean taking out some of these stems that are so crowded. That would be my other choice. Ed, in Ovet, what's going on, sir? Uh, not much, Carmel. I've got a question. I've had uh, three black olive trees. They've made six black olives in the past three years. And then my pomegranates come out with 15 or 20 of the pretty blooms. They start to close and they fall off. Mm -hmm. Help me out. <laughs> What do you fertilize with? Uh, I put some triple tin out there. A lot of times I put some cotton seed meal around them. Okay. That's way too much nitrogen for either one of those trees. So stop yes, stop doing that. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Now, now if, they're, if you're not getting water to them in the late summer when it's actually very dry, you need to do that too. 
But yes, but but you're you've given them more nitrogen than they need. I'm sure you have beautiful leaves and very healthy you know growth. But we need them to be a little bit more stressed so they don't throw their flowers off. That so that they'll go ahead. Pollination is a different issue. We can't fix that with anything we do. It either happens or it doesn't happen. But generally speaking, both of these things will get pollinated. As long as the trees are over five years old, they should be able to make some fruits for you. So I would just say don't fertilize anymore this year. And then when you get to maybe January next year, if you've got any kind of damaged branches or anything, you can take those off. But otherwise, I would just let them go and see what happens next year. Make sure you give them some water if the summer gets dry. Right. I'm fixing to go get a hive of bees sometime in the near future. And I'll, oh, fun. One more question. I'll leave, uh, one more question. Uh, my apple trees, these are up about 20 foot tall. It does the same thing. It makes pretty blooms, and I know we ain't in apple country, and then the blooms just fall off. Well, we do raise some apples. Um, some varieties do very, very well, but we do need two types for the, for pollination to happen. Usually speaking, people will plant Anna and Golden Delicious, or they'll plant something, you know, two different ones that way. But if it's a 20-foot-tall apple, the first thing you probably need to do for it is to prune it next winter. Don't do that now, but, but you're going to need to get it a little bit more manageable. Okay? Okay. Uh, thank you for taking thank my you. call. Sure. Thank you. Good to hear from you. I always love hearing about fruit tree growers because we are we – are, I was out counting figs on my tree just yesterday, in fact. <laughs> the blueberries look great. The figs are kind of spotty. I'm not sure about them. But – you can't control what the weather does, and you can't oftentimes control what happens to a tree out in the um, really cold world there out there. All right, now, my goodness, coming up with a lot of information going on around here about uh, apps and programs and communities and patrons and hydrangeas and tomatoes, and oh my goodness, for those of you who are kind enough to come along with me to patreon.com slash gardenmama. I thank you very much for your support. Your patronage means the world to me, and it does give you the access to some things that other folks don't get to see. So that's a little bit special. Guess what, though? It's all built right here. I don't care how tight your time is. This is Weekend Gardening. want that dream job? Do you need the right skills and credentials to get there? Did you know more than 2,000 students have taken advantage of the MyBest program for free? Contact your local community college to learn more about the MyBest program. Take charge of your life and make your dreams a reality by attending a Mississippi community college. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board. Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSolve platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. 
Hi, this is Thomas Trammell with Family Termite, and I have an important message for you. After this year's record-breaking snowstorm, termites will most likely be swarming in historical numbers in an effort to recolonize and replace parts of their colonies, ravished by the extreme weather. Family Termite offers free termite initial inspections and competitive pricing. Call Family Termite today at 601-933-1014 and let us protect your home, because we hate termites more than you do. Hey, this is Jimmy Primos at The Range in Gluckstadt. Right now, we're offering great specials on memberships to our state-of-the-art indoor shooting range. Join now and get your first month free. While you're here, check out our full-service gunsmithing department. We offer everything from professional gun cleaning, Cerakoting, camo application, accurizing, to custom rifle builds. We hope to see you soon. You might even get to meet my wife, Jane. That'll be a real trip. At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we do. DNS Diamonds is a quaint little jewelry store located on Market Street in Flowood. Our specialty is offering great values on jewelry you typically won't see in other stores. From antique and estate to our own custom designs. From decadent to affordable. You never know what you'll find on your next visit to DNS. And if you have unwanted, broken, or out of style jewelry, we can purchase it, consign it, or help you repurpose it. DNS Diamonds, where the end stands for Newton. 144 Market Street between Neobella's and the Great American Cookies. Garden Mama here to ask, what about your trees? Hmm? Everybody like me who has big trees in their landscape needs a tree service, and mine is Matthews Tree Service, the metro area's oldest residential tree service. They're licensed, insured, and ready to consult with you about damaged trees and healthy ones, too. Listen to your mama now and call Matthews for free estimates in the greater Jackson metro area. Call 601-316-8584. Matthews Tree Service. In times of fear, World Vision is there for the most vulnerable. For the last 70 years, we've been standing with kids and families through natural disasters, war, and disease, delivering life-saving aid and helping rebuild lives. And with every act of courage, faith, and love, we do more than just stop the spread of fear. We replace it with hope. Learn more at worldvision.org. Weekend gardening, and I'm happy to tell you we've got a couple of phone calls happening. We got some people. Rhett's uh, apples are small, but they look really good. He says he only got two this year on Red Delicious, so maybe that's a trend. We need to hear from y'all if your apples are making or if they're not. What's going on with yours? Mabel's in Jackson. Good morning, Mabel. Welcome in. What's up? Oh, uh, this is a lady. One of my neighbors gave me some. Uh, she called them four o'clock mm-hmm. flowers, and, and, and uh, she got them out of her flower bed, but I don't know. I, right now, I don't have enough time to put them in the flower bed. Mm-hmm. 
So what should I do? Oh, they'll stay in a container for a while. They they look flim- like flimsy to I'm me. I'm sure they are because because she dug them up. But if you if you cut them back a little bit and leave them in a container, give them, give them a couple of days in the shade, they'll perk back up. There, it's a very tough plant. And if if nothing else, if they don't make it, she can always give you some seeds at the end of the summer because four o'clocks are one of those plants that we're lucky enough to, that are they're around. You know what I mean? They're different ones, different colors, and all that. But but people that have them, generally speaking, have them because they do make seed. But they're pretty tough plants. I think if you just take care of them, give them a couple of days to recover in the shade, they'll be all right. Well, now, well, now I got them in, in a cup, water. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some water. Mm-hmm. Just, what should you I can do? cut the. You can cut. Do they have any roots on them? Uh huh. Yeah, you can cut them back from the top and put those in. Put them in a little container of soil. They'll be all right. Okay, and and I want to know what scented uh, plant can I put in my flower bed? What what now? Oh, you know, scented plant. Oh, something. You know what? I love scented geraniums, either the citronellas and there's other ones, too. But I like that for smell, and I really, 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 really like rosemary. And either one of those will be a nice shrub for you that will smell all the time. Oh, you can get them like now? Mm Mm-hmm, sure. And do they come back yearly? Oh, yeah. And you said geranium. Uh, the the scented geraniums, the ones that are like citronella, in in your little bed will stay and and be good and stay there. And you can always bring it if you wanted to leave it in a container because you can bring it indoors in the winter if you want to. But rosemary grows outside better than indoors, and it smells all the time too. Okay, I want to just you know put it, you know while I'm sitting on my porch. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I love that. Great idea. Do it get tall? Doesn't have to. There, there's, there's some that can be about three feet. Mine's, mine's, mine doesn't get any attention at all, and it's okay. probably three feet tall, so they probably will get bigger, but I, I ignore mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You said geranium. Ha, yes, the, the scented kind. The scented Yeah, you're going to be growing them for the leaves because they smell good. Okay. You can also see it sometimes as mosquito plant because it's a, supposed to keep the mosquitoes away. It may or may not do that. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. okay. Thank well, you, I- ma'am. Have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, same Thank you. you. Really nice day for getting out and going to the garden center and looking for some scented geraniums or citronella, you may find it called. Um, and, and, and I really do like those plants. I, I like citronella. I like even if they don't do everything they're supposed to do. And I think we'd have to have a lot of them for that to actually be able to happen. Now, I do understand citronella oil and, and burning that and, and does help to keep the mosquitoes away. That's for sure. But the citronella plants themselves, just like pennyroyal and, and uh, let's see, what are some of the other things? Pennyroyal for fleas and, um, oh, parsley for uh, slugs. You know, you plant these things and they may or may not be trap crops. <laughs> they may or may not bring in what you're looking for or repel who you hoped that they would. <laughs> kind of depends. Talking about hydrangeas, one of the questions is always how do you get those colors to stay those colors? And um, I, there are a couple of things that you can do if you want your pink, if you buy a, a big mop head hydrangea, the round headed kind, or some of the lace caps have the ability to change color too. If you if you've got that, then by all means, if you want to keep it pink, 
and you're growing it in Mississippi soils, most of our soils are going to be more acid than that hydrangea will like. So you're going to want to add a cup of lime to the soil around that hydrangea every year. On the other hand, if you're trying to make them blue, or if you're trying to get them to be purple or be more blue, you know, deeper blues, then that's a different thing. It, it takes sulfur for that, and most people will use aluminum sulfate. They'll put it on about four times a year. And uh, generally speaking, you can change the color in a couple of seasons. The in-between year will not be quite as pretty, and sometimes those colors are described as muddy. But um, I, I like that. Um, oh, that's cute. That's really neat. Lovely, lovely, lovely. I like those those petunias. Those are pretty. One of the questions that I got this week that I thought was interesting um, asked about whether or not I was still part of that app. <laughs> and yes, I am. Smart Plant Home, and it does have insect as well as um, plant ID. So download Smart Plant Home and enjoy it. And I will be. I look forward to telling you more about that as time goes by. Um, Varioa destructor mites, you may have heard of these before. They are tiny, small parasites that live on honeybees and are really bad. They, they have played a role in colony collapse disorder, um, but they were, even, they were a problem even before that because they weaken the immune system of the bees and make them susceptible to everything else. Okay, What we've learned right now, though, from Washington State University is that it is possible to breed a virus, a fungus strain, I'm sorry, that can take this on and prevent the viruses from getting to the bees. So the reporting in scientific reports is pretty interesting stuff. They bred a strain of metarhizum, which is a very common soil fungus that will work as a control agent against the varroa mites. So we're going to hear a whole lot more about that as time goes by. Joe's in Madison. Hey, Joe, what's up? Hey, good morning now. Uh, I was calling, I've not been able to find, I need a, a fatsia plant, and I've not been able to find one locally. Okay. At any of the yard gardens. And I was wondering if you might have a, a source in maybe Alabama or... I, I, I don't, I don't, but I can tell you that the farther south you go, the more likely you are to find it. So, for example, if you... Um, got you know you got it with my friends at Louisiana Nursery in Baton Rouge or um I mean there's a bunch of them but but those the big nurseries in that part of the state southern part of the state if they're available they would have them so that will tell you one thing there's some things that are just not available this year and it it's probably good to call a few places or look at their online inventories if you can. But check Louisiana Nursery, um, get in touch with them and see if you can find, that will tell you whether there are even any to be searching for. I, I, I don't have a, a mail-order plant source that I particularly like because I do mail some plants and I'm telling you it's a mess. It's hard to do sometimes. <laughs> so I'm not that crazy about it. But it could be a good. Anybody knew you knew and that trust them too. Yeah, I just I don't know how all that works with them, but I know that if the fatsias would were available, you would find them there. I, I have one that in my garden has been there forever, and this year took a real hit, and it's it's going to be a while before it recovers. So I can tell you that there's going to be some that didn't get propagated this year in the nurseries in our part of the world. So I, I can't tell you a source, but I can tell you that Louisiana Nursery would be able to would know whether or not they have any. 
Okay. And my two big ones actually. You, you know who else? The uh, other one, I, I would be remiss if I didn't also tell you Cleggs, C L E G G apostrophe S. I can hear Alan Owings yelling at me now. Um, call Cleggs in Baton Rouge. If anybody's got them, they can tell you whether they're in the world or not this year. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you calling. I do love a fatsy. I especially love them when they bloom in the wintertime. Ah, yes. We got a couple of beautiful, beautiful gardening days coming along here. Come on, let's go. This is weekend gardening. Listen up. Have you seen all the litter on the sides of our roads? We need to all do our part to fight litter. Put trash in its proper place and make sure items in your truck beds are secure. Remember, trash blows. Secure your load. Please do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. That's keepmsbeautiful.org. Remember, always protect the road. Secure your load. Do you want to make more money? Do you need a high school diploma? Do you need help fast? No problem. Contact your local community college to learn more about the My Best program. My Best, improving the quality of life for Mississippians. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board. Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. I'm Rex Baker with Gateway Rescue Mission. People are angry these days, but you don't have to be. Let's get 2021 started right, because somebody out there needs your help. At Gateway Rescue Mission, your donation can provide a meal. Your prayer can unlock the power of God to change a life. If we spend more time praying and less time fussing, we can help some people. Go to gatewaymission.org. Make a donation and help change your life today. I'm Dr. Andrea Russo, a cardiologist. Maybe you're waiting to talk to your doctor right now. But if you're having an irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, don't wait. This could be a serious condition like atrial fibrillation, which can make you about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you're having these symptoms, don't wait. Talk to a doctor by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi. Powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com. I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. When it comes to medical marijuana in Mississippi, Representative Robert Johnson supports the legalization of medical and recreational marijuana. My incentive about medical marijuana is to lead us to a point that, just like a lot of other things do. We decriminalize marijuana and we reduce the population in prison where we're locking up all these people. He believes lawmakers need to come up with a plan to replace it, keep it out of the state constitution, and get ahead of the trend. A third of the states in the country have legalized marijuana, some, some number like that. It is, it is happening. 
And recently, Representative Sam Mims praised the work done by lawmakers during the regular session with regards to the state's financial outlook. We finished the session with our budget around $6 billion. We've got about $520 million in the rainy day account. And our revenues with two months left are $800 million above the estimate. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it costs to bring you into this world and when you leave it and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. This is for those who always show they care. Who told their kids everyone 12 and older is eligible for a COVID vaccine. Those who explained to their cousins that vaccines prevent nearly 100% of hospitalizations and deaths from COVID-19. This is for the ones protecting those they love. Thank you. We can do this. Find vaccines near you at vaccines.gov. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The CDC is looking into a potential link between the mRNA vaccines and a heart condition. The agency says there have been relatively few reports of myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart muscle, and that these cases have been predominantly in adolescents and young adult males within four days of the second dose. So far, no link has been determined, and the investigation is being done out of an abundance of caution. The CDC continues to recommend the use of the vaccine for all eligible age groups. And back in January, 8% of restaurants said finding workers was their primary concern. Data from the National Restaurant Association shows that number has grown since then, as explained by Senator Roger Wicker. Well, that number doubled in February, it doubled again in March, and then again in April. According to the latest survey, 57% of restaurant operators now say that finding and keeping employees is their biggest problem. For Super Talk Mississippi News, I'm Andy Davis. Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. In the Southeastern Conference baseball tournament yesterday, the Ole Miss Rebels took on the Vanderbilt Commodores for a second time in the tournament. This time, the Rebels came away with a 4-1 win over the Commodores to advance to Saturday's game today against Arkansas. The Ole Miss Rebels will take on the Razorbacks after Tennessee and Florida meet in the noon game. Tennessee, 10-run rule to Alabama yesterday, eliminated the Crimson Tide. So Tennessee and Florida will meet in the noon game today in the Southeastern Conference Tournament. Ole Miss and Arkansas will follow that game around 3.30, 3 o'clock. The scheduled airtime on the Ole Miss Baseball Network today. If Ole Miss wins this game today, they will play for the SEC Tournament Championship game tomorrow, which is scheduled for a 2 o'clock first pitch. 1.30 would be the airtime tomorrow on the Ole Miss Baseball Network if they win today against Arkansas. In the Conference USA Tournament, Southern Miss pulled out a 4-1 win of Louisiana Tech to advance to today's winter bracket game to schedule for a 12.30 first pitch. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. There's not a lot that's free in life. I mean, it costs to bring you into this world, and when you leave it, and everything in between. Well, there is something free and valuable to your well-being, and that's for you to call 811 before you dig, pull stumps, erect a mailbox, dig a post, or start a garden. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Welcome to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. 
It's planting season in Mississippi, and our farmers are hard at work in our state's biggest industry. That means the roads may see some large, slow-moving farm equipment. It's important that everyone drive slowly, be patient, and stay safe while we feed Mississippi and the world. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Coming up on Sunday, the NCAA will announce the 16 regional host sites. Eight of those 16 regional sites will also host super regionals. That will be predetermined. And among the 20 possible sites that they will choose from, there are seven Southeastern Conference teams, including Mississippi State and Ole Miss. The other SEC teams are Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. And two Conference USA sites are on the possible list including Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech. The final 16 predetermined sites will be revealed and announced at 7.30 Sunday night by the NCAA, and then the brackets and the pairings for the NCAA baseball regional field will be released at 11 o'clock Monday morning on ESPN2. I'm Dixon Williams, and this is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Oh, baby, it's a Memorial Day weekend. Fire up that grill. Now, that's secondary, of course, to the understanding that this is where this is where we need to pay attention Okay, people can look at what all's on sale and they can look at the number of people that are crowding the airports and they can see how many people are out on the road traveling to visit someone. But you know what today is, what this weekend is, right? This this represents the Decoration Day, as it was originally called. Decoration Day was the day that you took your family and your picnic and your cleaning brushes and your plant shears, if you needed them, um, to the cemetery, and you decorated with flowers, with flags. We still do that. It is now called Memorial Day. One of the places that it began, of course, was right here in Mississippi after the Civil War when the ladies of Columbus decorated all the graves, not just those of their sons, but those of everyone's sons. And yes, at that time it was sons, okay? So why do we do this? Well, we do this for for the simple reason, never forget, ever honor. And so with that, welcome you into Weekend Gardening. Thank you very, very much for being here. If you didn't happen to be along for the first hour, you may want to catch the rebroadcast because we were really rocking and rolling. Lots of questions, lots of texts, lots of things coming on. Right now I'm looking at a lovely picture of Trey's um, sage that he grows. You want, you want to know how Mississippi this guy is? This guy grows the sage that he puts in the sausage that he makes himself. Now come on. I mean, I'm telling you, this is just where we live. This is such great joy. It's amazing. And I can also tell you that Rhett's apples are pollinated by his neighbor's apples. How cool is that? You can't do that everywhere. We take these things for granted. I want you to celebrate them. I want you to honor them every day, okay? Because, well, 
as, as Senator John McCain so famously said, we cannot forever hide the truths about ourselves from ourselves. And one of the realities is that we know what's what. All right, we're gardeners. That's how come we're here. Oh, speaking of gardeners, have you have you turned over a shovel yet and found all the roly polies in the world? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, this is one of those years. The roly polies, sort of like the poison ivy, sort of like some of our other things we're not that crazy about, are in huge numbers. But here's the deal. When it comes to the roly-polies, they're not going to eat your plants. They may be eating your plants, but if that's the case, it's because either, A, the garden is frankly been staying too wet for them to digest the other things that they actually eat, but also they're your friends. They're going to do the rotting work. They're going to start taking things apart. But if there are not, for example, anything for, if there's not anything for them to eat, then you need to understand that those better garden tech techniques of sanitation will get rid of the things that they are tearing apart that are in your, that are keeping them from taking their job that they actually need to do. You need for the the roly polies or pill bugs, as they are formally called, to be out in another part of the garden, to be in the soil, to be in there, to be but not in to be such numbers that you crunch when you dig into your soil. When you get to that point, you are literally looking at it's a situation where things have gotten out of hand. And the first thing to do is to get rid of anything rotten, whether it's plant debris or uh, one of the other pieces of things that, that, you know, you've got. Maybe you've got rotten fruit. There's other things out there. Get rid of all of that. That's the first thing. And if, if you have too many roly-polies, you can always dig them up and move them, too, and put them somewhere under a tree someplace where they can do their work. They're important, but they will eventually eat tender leaves if they don't have anything else to eat. Um, let's see. We had a question from Sheila who wanted to know when to root a gardenia, but her connection on the phone was bad. Well, it's a it's a good question. There are a couple ways to do this. Almost every shrub roots best on semi-hardwood. That means it starts growing in the springtime or it starts growing after you prune it, if you happen to be something that you would prune in the fall or in the early, early spring, but you after the growth has started, when it's brand new and green, it's tender. It'll wrap around your finger, but pretty soon you leave it alone and it gets nice and woody. Well, if it'll snap when you go to bend it, it's too late. Go back about two weeks before that, or go pick another branch in this case. You're looking for one that will bend but not snap. That's going to root the easiest for taking a cutting from, for example, the gardenia at the church that you really want one of. However, if you're trying to root one that's in Mama's yard, then look for a branch that's near ground level and make a layer. You can dig a trench, lay that branch in it, cover it up. You'll probably, because of the way plants are, you'll need to bury it and then put a brick on top of it to hold it down or it'll spring out of the ground. And then let part of it come out the other end. That will root in a few months. You can root in a from a cutting in a few months or you can root in the ground. Either way, both of those things will work. 888 is the Super Talk call line. The ceasefire text line is 601-879-4395. I've been uh, getting fascinated by daisies lately. I'm, I'm not really thinking of growing more of them, but I do wish that I had a longer bloom season. And, of course, the way to do that is to have more varieties. You've heard me talk about... Uh, 
my, the way they bloom out. You know, May Queen is in bloom, then comes Snow Lady, then the classic Alaska, and then Becky. Now, what you need to know about Becky is that Becky wasn't always Becky. She was actually Ida May or something before that, and then after that, she was known as Ryan's Daisy because of Ryan Ganey over in Atlanta. When you go to Atlanta, you will still see Ryan's Daisy in garden centers, and it is, in fact, Becky, but that's okay. The one I want to make sure you don't overlook, though, is Christine Hageman. What a fancy name for such a fancy flower. This one is a double flower. Um, you've heard me talk about Crazy Daisy because it has such crazy twisted petals. This is a this is a more classic looking flower. It's just a double flower, more and more and more and more petals. I really like it. It has a very distinctive, very large um, bloom, and frankly, it is one of those things that can be the highlight in a bouquet or in a vase. It can be the 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 really fancy one in the front or it can be one of many in a large arrangement and have yourself the opportunity to add on to it with the other things that are in bloom now like gladiolas and one thing and another so think about that and give yourself an opportunity to put in a couple more daisy plants if you haven't already got plenty because you frankly if you plant one of each variety you'll have daisies for weeks and that's really what we're looking into um Oh, that's lovely. We're we're getting into uh, a whole bunch of big red worms. That's fun. That's going to make great compost, too. <laughs> oh, is there anything more annoying? Well, I'm sure there is. But, but pretty annoying, pretty much up there on my list of annoying is the hum from fluorescent light bulbs, light fixtures, as their ballast is going. Yeah. You can hear them from the next hotel room. Okay, you can hear them from down the block. And unfortunately, the University of Michigan says we're going to always have that with us, but it's possible that that quality, because there's, there's one thing that makes that happen. Um, they've, they've developed a material there at the University of Michigan that is twice as magnetostrictive, which is what causes this to happen, and really doesn't cost very much to do. It could actually make computing faster and easier with computing devices that store data with magnetic fields rather than electricity. So if we can get this phenomenon to work as well as they've done in research, we could have magnetoelectric chips. I love that. How crazy. The the magnetostriction, which is what causes that buzz of fluorescent lights and electrical transformers, let us not forget You can literally go outside at night sometimes and hear the transformers going. But when their shape and their magnetic field are linked, that is to say, a change in shape causes a change in the magnetic field, that particular property, though, could really lead to this magnetoelectrics or magnetoelectric chips that could, in fact, make everything work faster and better without using electricity. How cool would that be? The team is being led by folks um, from all over the place, Cornell, Intel, University of California, Berkeley, Purdue, University of Wisconsin. They're all getting on this because it would be so huge. Finding materials that electrical and magnetic properties are linked in the way that that hum in the fluorescent light fixture is and being able to understand, being able to get that to a lower um, use, in other words, less energy to, to make it happen. I really like this. The idea is that then they would be able to attach it 
call it spray painting onto things, and then it would be able to store the data with magnetic fields instead of with electricity. That's crazy, but it's really a very smart idea. What are we going to be farming in the future, do you suppose? Hmm? Well, <laughs> I don't know about this. I, I'm, I'm for two of these, or at least one of them. University of Cambridge is letting us know that we really are needing in this world as planets to make big changes to what we grow in order to combat malnutrition worldwide. They say our future global food supply really can't be insured without putting a lot of things in place to safeguard it. And one of those things is a diversity of crops. We often look at for example, a warehouse full of lettuce as an anomaly. It's not. It's the way of the future. It's the thing that's going to actually happen. This whole notion of controlled environment systems producing novel foods are going to have to be incorporated at a large scale or we're not going to be able to keep ourselves available to feed the whole rest of the world. Depending on where you are, the pests and diseases are starting to be big factors, I think, particularly of something like Cavendish bananas. The bananas that you buy in the store are probably Cavendish. That means that it's, a, it's virtually a monoculture worldwide, and there are big threats to that. So unless we diversify or change where we get our banananess from, we're going to have problems keeping that particular crop going. And there's also things about climate change that are causing, as, as the temperatures warm in a particular area, crops with a shorter season have a harder time producing because they run out of that window, all right? They're, they're still growing when the window closes on them. We know this fact from a lot of things, but particularly um, we think about it in terms of those short season crops. It's going to make a difference. But... The folks there at the University of Cambridge in this particular um, research anal analysis have studied 500 papers on different future food production systems. Now, the one that is actually the most promising, things that are using light to grow microorganisms, things that are working and in including the breeding of insects for positive use, it actually reduces the number of exposures to the farming that, that would happen out in the open by putting it in a closed environment. They tell us that part of what they've been studying, of course, is the burden of malnutrition that has been fueled by the coronavirus pandemic. If you can't get people to the fields to work, then you really need to find another way to produce food. Indeed, at this particular point, two billion people on the planet are experiencing food insecurity. For those of us here, that seems crazy, but we're not everywhere else. So I tell you all of this to tell you that the farming of kelp is going to be big, and it is, in fact, already big in many places, but it is particularly important to this new way of looking at things. Mycoprotein is another thing that's very important in this, that is to say the production of protein in vegetable systems. But you know where the biggest protein source is going to come from down the road? That's right, the cultivation of maggots. How about that? Woo-wee, my goodness. Um, this, this could be ingredient-driven. We, For example, you will see 
Um, right now, you you can go and find things like cricket pasta. You can go and find things where the insects have been ground up and put into other products. You're not going to see somebody probably putting a cicada on top of their ice cream sundae. But if they find something in there that can produce something for an energy bar, for example, why wouldn't they do that? Interesting stuff. Let's welcome in Dolores. Come on in, Dolores. What's on your mind today? Hi. Hey. Um, I've got a Sweet William mm-hmm. tree. It has gotten huge uh, over the years, but I love it. But uh, it's just gotten too big, and uh, I want to know if if I can trim it or, you know, I don't... I don't know what a Sweet William tree is. I know Sweet William as a plant. Can you tell me what its flowers look like? Oh, they're little... Little white flowers and they're fragrant. I, they they it blooms several times a year. Okay, maybe I, sweet I'm olive. It a, Could it be sweet well, olive? It might be. Okay, I don't sweet know. sweet olive puts on little tiny flowers that are white and it blooms four or five times a year. Um, you can prune it. You can prune it in the winter. Don't prune off more than a third of it in any one year. But you can do. You can prune that tree and you can do it in the winter time when it's not actively growing. Okay. 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 I pruned mine. In fact, I had to take mine down um, a couple of years ago, and it's already back up like four feet tall. It's it's gonna it's gonna overreach again, but I'll I'll keep up with it this time. (laughs) Well, mine is covered by elderberry vine right now, and and it's loaded. Oh, fine. You know, I gotta trim both of them. You know. Yes, ma'am. Anyway, thank you. I'm my cousin. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Dolores. Simpson County grows so many good things. My gracious. Um, I'm I'm getting fascinated by some of these ideas of what we might eat in the future. And frankly, I'm not surprised to hear this one either. As we try to make beans more edible or more productive, what have we been doing? We've been looking at stuff. And the way that a crop is evaluated, of course, goes directly to the way it's grown, the way it's processed, the way it's stored. All those things in the post-harvest part are just as important as the things in the beginning part. But if we can find some beans that really do a good job for us, then we're going to have a better opportunity to add that into the protein level. In this case, it's tepary beans. If you've ever run into them, you know that they are pretty tough. We're working on them, apparently adding them in, um, trying to make the bean crops hardier. Again, working towards more stress tolerance and more ability to give ourselves something to eat going forward. All right, now, stick around. Bring that music up a little bit, and you'll hear me say, this is Weekend Gardening. Welcome 
to Mike Drop, the show where Mississippi Farm Bureau President Mike McCormick drops some helpful knowledge. Do you know what the number one economic driver is in Mississippi? That's right, agriculture. We've got almost 35,000 farmers across 10 million acres sustaining employment for over 17% of the state's workforce. And it brings in over $7 billion for our state economy every year. Visit your Farm Bureau friends and neighbors at your county office or sign up online today at msfb.org. You can bet the farm on it. Do you want that dream job? Do you need the right skills and credentials to get there? Did you know more than 2,000 students have taken advantage of the My Best program for free? Contact your local community college to learn more about the My Best program. Take charge of your life and make your dreams a reality by attending a Mississippi community college. I'm Dr. Andrea Mayfield, Executive Director of the Mississippi Community College Board. Funding for this ad provided by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. When you choose Roto-Rooter, you'll get honest estimates and no hassle guarantee so you can get it fixed quickly and enjoy peace of mind. We're there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, day and night, holidays, and weekends. We've been providing service to Mississippi for over 80 years. Call the original Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. Mention this ad to receive $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. And a winkle troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. Pool tables, ping pong, poker, classic arcades, football, sports decor, even kitchen and bar stools. You'll find it all at Game Room Gallery. Game Room Gallery has plenty to choose from during this time you're home to help make many more memories with your family. With specials on classic arcades and pool sticks too. Let Game Room Gallery bring excitement to any room in your home. Game Room Gallery, Ridgewood Road, just north of County Line. For more, call 601-853-7777. That's 601-853-7777. Online at gameroom-gallery.com. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden. Now is the time to get yourself to Lakeland Yard and Garden for the largest selection of patio furniture, outdoor-indoor living areas, umbrellas, replacement cushions, and beautiful fountains and stepping stones. You'll even find Komodo Joe grills and collegiate gift items. The expert staff members at Lakeland Yard and Garden will be happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. While you're there, be sure to get your topsoil or mulch sold by the bag or in bulk. Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 40 years. Stop by or call today, located at Lakeland Drive and Airport Road, 601-939-7304, online at lakelandyardandgarden.com. Listen to your garden mama now. It's Lakeland Yard and Garden Center for all your gardening needs and a whole lot more. Realtors and homeowners, listen up. When it's time to buy, sell, or most importantly, move, that's when you call Two Men in a Truck. Let us take the worry out of moving so you can focus on what's important. Visit twomenandatruck.com. This hour of weekend gardening is brought to you locally in part by The Tractor Store, your Mahindra dealer on Highway 49 South in Richland. The Tractor Store is proud to sell Mahindra, the world's number one tractor. The Tractor Store, your farm and lawn equipment destination. In the metro area, the houses talk. 
Hey, Jan, how's it going today? Hey, Barney. You're not sold yet? No, my shutters need replacing, my floors need unbuckling, my boudoirs need updating. Well, my person called Will White with the price, and Will White said the price was right. No updating, no nothing. I'm sold as of tomorrow. Call Will White. He buys houses. 601-401-4323. 601-401-4323. Or online at homebuyersms.com. Thank you for being on Weekend Gardening with me today, for putting us in your ear, for listening to this program live, listening to the rebroadcast, or like my friend Ralph, continuously having an ongoing series of cassette tapes. <laughs> Guess what? You don't have to do that. You can you Now you can download it on demand at supertalk.fm. But I appreciate that. And one day, one day, I have a feeling all those cassettes will be a gift. <laughs> It'll be nice to see them. Fun stuff. Have you ever heard of uh, <clears throat> killer flies? <laughs> Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? No, they're not. In fact, there is indeed, um, keeping with our friends from the University of Cambridge and all their crazy research this week, we've got a couple of other things happening from them, and one is that killer flies actually reach accelerations of 3G. Yeah, you know, like a dive-bombing plane. But here's the thing. I need to see this cartoon. Y'all know that the Angry Beavers are my very favorite of all-time cartoons because I had them. Af- I watched them after I had children. And the notion that there would be an entire cartoon series built on the fact that the children didn't want to leave home and were mad at their parents tickles me. Really tickles me. My job is to launch the children, you know, so I really like the Angry Beavers. It just makes me laugh. But I have to tell you, the killer flies have got to have their own show because here's the deal. They fly so fast that they lose control and miss the object. Well, of course, duh. I mean, there aren't there a lot of humans that do that? The, they reach accelerations of over 3G when aerial diving to catch their prey, but unfortunately, they can't course correct so they miss now that's just silly but it's true it's true this thing is uh, what we're looking at in in this particular set of the world is is actually instructions as to how to test this for yourself I'm not gonna do this starts with pick up the selected fly (laughs) yeah no I'm not gonna do that I'm gonna leave the flies alone and watch the video in slow motion because it's fascinating Yes, yes, I did once have the experience of spending the money on the Chilton How to Repair Your, Vo- How to repair your Datsun uh, book, and I needed to replace the transmission. You know what it said? Step one, remove old transmission. That was it. Like I knew where the bolt was. No picture, no tool list, no nothing. Remove old transmission. Well, you know, 12 hours later, I had the transmission out in the driveway and could put the new one in. But, but come on. We need a few more instructions. Pick up the selected fly. Find a potential prey. Yeah, right. I'm going to do that. Anyway, when the predator flies up, don't move, because most of the time the, the killer fly will miss it. So this is a real haphazard experience that these things go through. I, I I don't really think they should be called killer flies. They hardly seem to live up to their reputation. But 
Diving falcons, in case you wondered how this how these guys stack up, the fastest animals that hunt in the air, okay, or we understand are falcons. They only get like to 6.8 miles per second. I mean, they, 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 they dive by folding their wings and letting gravity accelerate them. The killer fly, however, doesn't do that because they don't apparently understand gravity. And that's why they fly off in other directions from time to time. I just think this is, who thought to study this? I mean, come on. And they are very pretty, by the way. I should tell you that. They're, they have a lovely sheen to their, uh, their world. They, they beat their wings at the similar rate no matter where they launched from, which tells you that their speeds are the combination of both the power and the gravity. In other words, they're not just using the gravity, and they're not that powerful or they would be able to course correct. So if you want to call someone something that seems to be sort of rapidly bungling, killer flies is going to be the thing. That and people who can't drive will now always be killer flies to me. Because you notice the people who can't drive also drive fast? Come on, you know that's true. 888-808-8637 is the Super Talk call line. 601-879-4395. Collecting all these beautiful images today. Um, this is probably not you're, you're exactly right Trey that's a good one we're going to hold on to that joke and not share it so. <laughs> oh we have updates on coral reefs y'all there's, there's always there's always somebody that it manages to get out and study what's going on especially since our coral reefs are having so many problems with bleaching and, and other temperature related issues but I did not know there, that there was such a thing as corals that actually spit algae. And here's, here's the thing. When we study symbiosis, when we study the relationships between things that really do better with each other, one of them is corals and algae. But the, the mechanism is, the word for today, is vamocytosis. And clearly we understand where this comes from. Before we understood this, we thought that the microalgae that were ingested were not actually ingested if they weren't found as symbionts, but that's not actually true. Um, they're, they're, they are spit out, but it turns out that it's actually has to do with how many of them there are, because the algae will get rid of them if they're overloaded. They, won't, they will not allow themselves to be overwhelmed by their symbiotic partner. I think that's kind of important, something that we probably need to know. They do depend on the ability of the algae to suppress the host's immune immune response, which is a good thing. It allows other stuff to happen, but it can also be overwhelming to the algae, I mean to the coral, and therefore they literally vomocytosis the algae. I like that. Pretty interesting stuff. But if you thought that was weird and don't ever want to look at a coral reef again, think again. Arizona State University, and believe you me, they don't have a lot of coral there, are letting us know that managing the entire local situation is really what, including the algae, including the heat, including the amount of water and the level at which the bleaching is taking place, we really do have to manage all those things in the context of the local conditions. Now, 
if you've ever seen anybody come in to fix something that didn't live where they were trying to fix it, you know that this is an eternal truth. We can have good ideas, we can have good research elsewhere, we can have good suggestions, but until you posit that theory in place and prove it there, you really haven't done a whole lot. And what they're doing, of course, in the Australian area, the Great Barrier Reef business, they've seen that sharp decline in their abundance. We see it also off Hawaii, off the Florida Keys, even in the Indo-Pacific. But there's also a, a decline that is happening from local conditions because we're allowing pollution and we're allowing overfishing and we're allowing the things that go on apart and separate from the coral that are really not that apart and separate from it. It's actually all part of the life of the reef, and we need to pay attention. Local action to conserve them is more important, really, than any wild ideas or any, you know, anything that goes on anyplace else. It's wonderful to understand that. Talking about the reason that plants are having a rough go as temperatures warm uh, reminds me that there will be other temperature stats out this summer that I will, of course, bring to your attention because that's my job but plant species that have short generation times um, if it takes eight weeks if it takes 12 weeks or if it takes 15 years every plant has something that cues its time on the earth and how long it takes for that generation to mature well the ones with short generation times tend to be more sensitive we're learning now to these to the changes in their climate than the others because they don't have as much time to wait and see how things happen the international team has really been looking at this from all over the place um, part of this has been in Leipzig you know how fond I am of that but they published in Nature Communications if you'd like to look for more of it um, making the general suggestions from these data sets is difficult because there's only long-term analysis of about a handful, maybe 60, out of the more than 300,000 plant species on Earth. We can see some patterns, but we can't. We don't really know which ones are going to play in the biggest part in which trees make it, which flowers don't, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what they're trying to work on, are these more sensitive to, to beautiful stuff. Gloria's coming in on the text line, um, it, this, the oxalis. Looks to me like it has dried up because your lantana is doing really, really well. Um, and, and you may have had some insects on it, but I would suggest that because this, this oxalis, or in, in anything in the hecara family, okay, any coral bells in that group, those same things, really can't take this competition that, they're, that this one is facing. Now, they do die back a little bit. Um, I have this particular oxalis in with some tradescantia. It gets a lot of shade till the tradescantia are cut back, and then it comes up. But they don't last a long, long time. They'll they'll be pretty for a while, though. But I would move this one. I, I, my oxal I do love that purple oxalis. I think it's a pretty plant, and it's one that we can cultivate. Um, it's another one, though, that I will say, if I dug it up and I found that I had several of the little tubers, I'd put some of them in a container just to be sure that I'm not in an area that's too wet or too dry for that particular plant. Mexican, uh, Mexican, Michigan Technological University is talking to us about some of the things that we were experiencing with callers in the previous hour, and that is, 
what time does this work? What do, when does this get pollinated, and how, how does it all work? The early budding trees, of course, teach us things that not everything else does. That is, that they're not only trying to get ahead of it, sometimes they can tell us that conditions are going to be good for pollination, but sometimes they can't. And that's really the purpose of this particular study, is to understand that um, the bud break, understanding when bud break happens, and really trying to understand how that affects the, the photosynthesis that happens for the rest of the year and whether or not we can regulate bud break. If there was something, for example, that we could go out and spray on apples so that they didn't bloom until we were past the danger of them getting frozen before they could be pollinated, that would be super duper. We would really enjoy that. But right now, we don't have it. We are watching it, though. Um, Michigan Tech greenhouses are mimicking the, the daylight and the temperature of average summer days, not in the summer, and trying to see if we can get things to bud out earlier or later on that schedule. Um, let's see. Someone, I don't know who, um, will say Betty from Belzona. I don't know. Some of my roses are losing leaves or turning yellow. Is this from overwatering or a lack of it? Could be. Could be the variety itself. Some are more susceptible to that yellowing. Um, in most cases, though, even my Peggy Martin, for example, has a little bit of black spot on the, the rose leaves. It's yellowing and with, with black dots on it. Um, this year has been very, very wet, and, and that does bring on that circumstance. Since Peggy Martin tore down the trellis that she was on, there, I don't have really good air circulation or in, within the plant either. And with roses, that can make a big difference. So if, they're, if you are not watering regularly, it could be drought. But if they are in an area where it has been raining regularly, and or you are watering, it could be certainly overwatering. How do we decide the best place when we're going to plant a tree? Now, we know that uh, a lot of the work needs to be done several months ahead, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. I'm not much on planting a tree today. I would say that we'd rather do that when the weather is not warming up. We'd rather do it when the weather is cooling off. But it would be very helpful to have this particular interactive map that is being worked on um, in, in the in One Earth re re Reforestation Hub. I like this. And, of course, the idea is that we will be able to look at how many trees there are, how many of them are under threat from one thing or another, like we've talked about the beetles out west and various and other problems that we do have, our own problems here and giving the opportunity to restore some of the ones that are lost, and also quantifying the amount of land that we can plant that, that we actually need to plant. So they're working on this um, for us here, reporting in Cell Press. It'll be something that's available to us all as a tool within a year or two to help us determine, for example, if you have property and you're going to promote a conservation process there, which is, of course, one of the really smart things to do if you have a fair amount of property, give yourself an area that you devote to wildlife habitat, then we'll know whether or not you need to be planting trees. You, your area may need more and it may not. But of course, global sustainable development affects that. Um, it affects our ability to have forests as, ability, as well as we've, we've been reading and understanding from the Amazon uh, deforestation for so long, trying to have 
have, trying to have it both ways doesn't always work. The University of Leeds has been renewing their research, looking at a bunch of reviews into the UN's global goals for development, which do include mixed forest impacts. Some of them are good, some of them are not so good. So like everything, it's a balance between development, it's a balance between trying to figure out more ways to grow things more precisely. Some of them are trees, some of them are food crops. It's kind of what we're all up to around here. Now, we have a little bit more time to go. I'd love to see your texts. I'd love to take your questions. This is Weekend Gardening. inside but still looking for bargains on new and secondhand goods? Try HiBid.com, the online auction site for just about anything. HiBid.com offers a safe and easy way to find hundreds of thousands of items for sale every day. From rare coins to fine jewelry, tools to vintage toys, and classic cars to real estate. HiBid.com has it all. HiBid.com makes it easy to find what you're looking for, and the site is simple to use. HiBid.com, that's H-I-B-I-D.com, and start discovering great deals today. Typically, we here at Keep Mississippi Beautiful like to share positive news with you, but not today. Litter is on the rise in our state, and we need your help. Please put trash in its proper place and make sure you aren't accidentally littering items from the back of your truck. Protect the road, secure your load, because trash blows. Do your part to keep Mississippi beautiful. Learn more at keepmsbeautiful.org. Ridgeland Medical Clinic is a proud sponsor of the Gallo Radio Show. Conveniently located in Ridgeland off Highway 51 North in the Oak Place Shopping Center. Call them to see Jody Adams today. No Drip Roofing and Construction. The name says it all. All types of roofing and construction. Your certified, certainteed shingle installer. Family owned and operated for over 20 years here in the Metro. No Drip Roofing and Construction. 601-371-1051. Hey y'all, I'm Kayla Clark with Ace Bolton Screw Company. We have been locally owned and owner-operated for over 50 years. Come see our newly expanded store for all your tool needs. Our goal is to serve you and help you get the job done right with some of our power and hand tools from the biggest brands, but without the big box prices. DeWalt, Milwaukee, Makita, Channel Lock, Irwin, and Lennox, to name a few. Ace Bolton Screw Company, proudly locally owned and operated. Jackson, Tupelo, Atlanta, and Gluckstadt. Garden Mama here for Lakeland Yard and Garden. Now is the time to get yourself to Lakeland Yard and Garden for the largest selection of patio furniture, outdoor-indoor living areas, umbrellas, replacement cushions, and beautiful fountains and stepping stones. You'll even find Komodo Joe grills and collegiate gift items. The expert staff members at Lakeland Yard and Garden will be happy to guide you through their large nursery stock of bedding plants, perennials, tropicals, and more. While you're there, be sure to get your topsoil or mulch sold by the bag or in bulk. Lakeland Yard and Garden even offers local delivery. Lakeland Yard and Garden, growing your way and serving you for over 40 years. Stop by or call today, located at Lakeland Drive and Airport Road, 601-939-7304, online at lakelandyardandgarden.com. Listen to your garden mama now. It's Lakeland Yard and Garden Center for all your gardening needs and a whole lot more. 
With 24-7 customer service and guaranteed repairs, your progressive policy works the way it's supposed to. Unlike this stressful meditation guide. Take a deep breath. Focus on all the things you have to do. Did someone make the vet appointment yet? You don't know? That feels like something you should know. Switch to Progressive today. You are a mess. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Repairs through Progressive Network shops guaranteed for as long as you own or lease your car. Did you know that most adults with autism are unemployed and a major hurdle is the lack of job opportunities? That's why Autism Speaks is teaming up with Lee Container, the J. Donald and Laurel Lee Family Foundation Fund, and delivering jobs to create a more inclusive workforce in the U.S. Are you an HR professional, community leader, or business owner? Join us in creating a workforce where people of all abilities can contribute and thrive. To learn more, visit AutismSpeaks.org slash employment. Furnished by the Entertainment Industry Foundation. A little bit higher. Radio. Burn it up. Burn it up. So you know. Radio. La, 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 la. La, la, la. La, 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 la. La, la, la. I would... I would be remiss if I did not um, mention to you that I have listened to uh, all of Van Morrison's new album. Been on remote the last couple of weeks. Hadn't had a chance to wax poetic about much of this. So appreciated going to Ace Bolton's crew and to Gaddis and McLaurin. So much fun. It was so great to see all of y'all out there. It was a blast for me. And I went home, and there was new music from Van Morrison. Now, for those of you who read the reviews of music before you listen to it, you would never turn this on, because according to the reviews, it's just more old baloney from the old baloney dude, okay? (laughs) It's like awful. Now, for those of you who don't know Van Morrison's career, it has been sort of a checkerboard of fame and not so much and this and that and the other thing, but I'm telling you, he has a better voice now than he did 10 years ago. Maybe not as good as 40 years ago, but better than he did 10 years ago. I attribute it, not that I know anything, but I attribute it to sobriety and better living, because that's what I want to attribute it to, and because of some of the words that he says in the songs. Um, he talks about that last drink, you know, like as in the last. <laughs> you know. And you, you don't, your voice doesn't get stronger from not taking care of it. All right. Now, He's still Van Morrison. His tongue is planted so firmly in his cheek with a lot of this stuff that there is actually a song that says, Why Are You on Facebook? And that's the name of the song. <laughs> so, But there's some pieces of it that are as brilliant as anything he has ever done, and I encourage you to go listen to it. But don't read the reviews first. <laughs> you would be sad. I have a question for you. What is it about the color pink? Why do some people like pink lemonade? Why do some people like only strawberry ice cream? Why do people like, oh, I don't know, frozen daiquiris rather than margaritas? They're pink, right? Yeah. Well, if I had known that this was true, I probably would have changed everything about what I fed my children, possibly my cats. If you rinse the mouth, your mouth out with a carbohydrate-strong solution, it will improve your exercise performance because it reduces the perceived intensity of the exercise? What? 
Yes, it apparently does. And therefore, the researchers decided they wanted to know if pink made it any better. Okay, hang with me here for just one moment. The University of Westminster, doing the study led by the Center for Nutraceuticals, which I've never heard of, says that you are going to run faster if if your drink is exactly the same and it is pink as opposed to if it is not pink. Publishing here in Frontiers of Nutrition, it says, for some reason or another, the only difference in the substance that they gave these people was that one was pink and the other wasn't clear. And they absolutely found the people thought it was sweeter, the people thought it increased your expectations of sugar and carbohydrate intake, and they were able to run longer on the treadmill. There was no difference except it was pink. Well, I'm going home and make pink lemonade. I don't know about y'all. I'm, I mean, come on. This, this is crazy. But it happened. It's true. It's researched. It's reported. And it's peer-reviewed, too, because it's in, it, it's in nutrition. It's a fancy magazine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Mary from Clinton. This is an interesting one. I have chipmunks in my raised garden. I can't say that I knew there were chipmunks in Clinton. I knew there were a lot of squirrels, but I'll go with it. I put a mothball down their hole under my green pepper plant. Chipmunks don't do that. That's not who's digging that hole. Okay. Anyway, will my peppers taste like mothballs? I have no idea, but it's an interesting question. And if anybody wants to weigh in and tell us that they've done this before and can give us some ideas, I have no idea. I can tell you that excluding squirrels or chipmunks or armadillos or whoever's digging holes in your vegetable garden is very difficult to do and needs to be done. My suggestion is always some kind of fencing, some kind of cover over the garden part, um, or, frankly, a mowed barrier space around the garden with you know, the, all, the, all those classic other things, the, 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 the motion-detecting lights and sounds and music and stuff that come on and run them out of your garden. But it's very difficult. Can you root a sweet bay magnolia? Um, you, you can. It's difficult. You can do it with uh, the layering process that I talked about before. The, um, the, the layering process of laying one limb on the ground, that would work. And you can certainly do it from the semi-hardwood cuttings either way um that's a good question and it it the question always is whether or not that what they added the pink food dye whether or not it was going to be the thing that changed the performance and in this case it apparently was not um i'm i don't know if it's a placebo effect that's what we're wondering about that's why I'm going to go start. I'm going to change entirely over to pink lemonade now and find out, because <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Now, I would like to see the same study done and with people that can't d- differentiate color. Okay, see who runs faster if you don't know what color it is. Would that work? That would work for me. I like it. I like it. Anyway. So many wonderful things going on in the garden at this particular time of the year. I will tell you that I am still battling poison ivy, and I am not looking forward to continuing that fight today, but I'm going to. Um, nature's effect on my poison ivy growth has been just way too good, and I don't, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of it. 
going to get rid of it. Absolutely. Um, University of Groningen wants us to know that we can reset the biological clock. That's really hard to do. And what they what they're working on, of course, is the need to investigate and reset biological clocks internally. They're trying to do it with light. And I understand why they would try that. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm happy to tell you that they're working on it. Um, it's increasingly clear that clocks can be changed in your head by the introduction or the withholding of light. Um, that's why there's always controversy about you You move into a dormitory or an apartment setting and suddenly find that you have a roommate that wants to leave the television on all night and the light bothers you, but it doesn't bother that other person. It's actually soothing because different people react different ways. So it's one of the things this, this study is going to get my attention for quite some time because of that. Gosh, we're not even going to get to some of these things today. Um, I had no idea that clownfish didn't have stripes from the beginning. You know, you know, clownfish, Finding Nemo, all that. And it, in fact, they uh, get their stripes depending on which kind of sea anemone they live in. I didn't know that. I, I'm glad somebody, you know, is working on it. All you Swifties, no, not the Taylor Swifties. All you Swifties, Swifts, the birds, got their name because... Well, they're swift. Um, they're among the fastest migrating small birds. And in fact, unless they're trying to make more small birds, they actually stay in the air most of the time, 10 months at a year. No wonder they have to be fast. How else would you do that? So one of the now there's a conservative, whatever you've heard that they travel, it's more. I'm fascinated by this. They used... Uh, Miniature tracking geolocation. Y'all know I love that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Thank you all so much. I'm going to leave you with one more headline because I can't do this story. Beetles that pee themselves to death could be tomorrow's pest control. Stick around. More coming here on Super Talk. But I'm telling you, next week, more weekend gardening right here. Get in touch. Mama on air at yahoo.com. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of South Communication. Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. If you need a contractor to help rebuild your home after a disaster, don't get scammed. Go licensed. Be skeptical about door-to-door offers of repair services. Ask friends and family for recommendations of contractors that they've used. Get at least three bids and never pay in cash. Don't make a bad situation worse. Protect yourself and your family after disaster strikes. Go licensed. For more information, visit our website at www.msboc.us. I'm one of thousands of women with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that has spread to other parts of the body 
I'm living in the moment and taking Ibrantz, Palbocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for postmenopausal women or for men with HR positive HER2 negative MBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Be in your moment. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, Diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.